this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. There are times of great joy in the Christian life. Some of you have have walked those journeys of, of sadness and you've walked the journeys of joy. And today we as a body celebrate one of the most joyous things we can celebrate. We talked about it on Friday night that as we view the cross that it is the lens in which we view everything. It is the lens in which we see life. It is the lens in which we see Christ's death and his resurrection. You see, all the Old Testament was written toward the cross. And all the New Testament was written in the power of the cross. And so both directions were looking at the same thing. So Friday night, if you haven't, if you haven't heard it, I'm going to do a quick review. But we talked about six people in Scripture. We talked about the stand that each person in Scripture, as well as you and I, are called to make when Jesus comes around us. Now, there's something to be said about a presence. I remember a few, uh, probably about mm, now five or six years ago. Time just goes really quickly. Whew, crazy. But I, w- I went to see this, this, uh, this person who was running for office. And, uh, and they, were, they were just, they, they had had a great career. They were running for something larger than what they had been in. And I remember getting in the room. There was, it was jam-packed, and I remember walking with a friend of mine, and we just got into the room. And, uh, and we thought we were accomplished because we were in the room. And, uh, and we were like, okay, so we're in the room. We get to hear what he's got to say, and it's going to be a great time. This is up in Fairlawn. And we, we got in the room, and it, it was just a good time. And then it was like there was a bunch of stuff going on, and people started to go to different places of the, of the room. And we got to just continue moving up and moving up and moving up. And before you know it, right before he got to speak, we're standing in the front. <laughs> And you can ask all the kids that go with me to Winter Jam. We have a way of getting our way to the front. But anyway, so we made our way to the front, and we got right in front, and we heard, this, we heard the message. We heard what he was asking. We, we heard his vision. We heard all of that. And when we left, we said, man, it was good that we just didn't enter the room, that we got closer. Today, I hope, and my goal in this is that today you will get closer to Jesus than you've ever been. Some of you have just walked in the room. Some of you have just went by the hotel in which the room was located. That's all that you've done. Maybe, maybe you just drove by and you knew that there was an event there and there was this guy named Jesus. And man, something's going on. And there's hundreds of places around the city today that that's happening. People are driving by and they know that something's going on in there. It must be a big day for those Christian people. But there's one day that you walk into the room. And my, my goal for you today is that you don't just come into the room today at Easter and get an experience about who the man is that we're talking about. My goal for you today is, is that you have enough, enough desperation in you for change in your life that you're willing to work your way to the front of the room and that you're willing to get in front of him and you're willing to say, listen, I don't have anything that can get me out of the jam I'm in. 
I don't have anything that got me where I am today. It's got to be you. And I want everything that you can tell me. I want to hear it. And I want to hear it so close that when you're speaking, you could whisper. And I could hear it. That's what I want for you today. That's been our prayer today that here at the summit and watching online that today you meet Jesus closer than you've ever met him before. Now, to meet this this man named Jesus, we have to go back through scripture. We have to go back through the events that took place that get us here today. Now, many of us understand the power of the cross. Many of us have heard the story. And you know, there's people all around the world that wear the symbol of the cross, but that have never met the man who hung there for them. They, they wear this symbol all around proudly. They wear it in the locker room. They wear it under their jersey on the, on the basketball floor. They, they wear the symbol, they wear the symbol, but they don't really know the man. See, he didn't come to just bring us a religion. He came to bring us a relationship. And so you can wear the symbol of, you can wear the symbol of a movement, but if you've never met the founder of the movement, then you don't really know about the movement. And today you're going to meet the founder of the movement. You know how I know that? It says because when we praise him, even if we just are in the room and there's praise going on he's here and if he's here then I want to give him all the honor all the glory and if we do that for just a few minutes this morning he'll change your life we talked about the cross and how these people had a choice they had a choice to stand and they had a choice to not stand as each of us do today you have a choice you've made the choice to come into the room you now have a choice to surrender all that you hold dear to yourself and hand it over to him. I, I love one of my friends. We, we do this Bible study and he leads it. It's great. We go just to chill. You know, as pastors, sometimes you just need to go chill out. And sometimes you get a download. Sometimes it's just good to be with all the people. And it's just fun to be in the body of Christ. And when we go, he has this thing. And you take your shoes off when you go in the door because that's just etiquette in someone's home. And so you take your shoes off. And then he says, hey, as you take your shoes off, take all your beliefs off and leave them at the door. And then whatever we talk about, we know we're going to be talking out of the Constitution for our life. So whatever you brought with you that doesn't match this thing, then you just leave it there and we'll clean it up later. Well, my thing for you today is that whatever you knew about Jesus, whatever you knew about the cross, whatever you thought about the resurrection, whatever you learned in, in school or whatever you learned in life about this, I just want you to lay it down for a few seconds. And I want you to have a few questions thrown into your mind I'm going to throw a few questions into your mind that you're going to have to reconcile in your heart and it's going to line up with this or you don't take it with you. Is that a good deal? Because I know there's been times in my life that there's things that I've been taught all throughout my life about who God is and then I met him. And all the people that, all the people that told me all the things that I should know about him must have never met him because I met him and all those things were wrong. They were in a religious atmosphere. But we talked about three people that chose not to stand with Jesus. And we told you what they were about. Well, the first one we talked about, Caiaphas, uh, the high priest. He, he was all about himself. He didn't want anyone, he didn't want to give Jesus an out. So he wanted everyone to think of how good he was. And he was in, living in fear of what the world would say if he let Jesus go on and do what he was doing. And then we talked about Pilate. He was just a coward. That's the easiest way to put it. He had a choice. He was a coward. He worried about what everybody else would say. And then we learned about Herod, and Herod was probably all of those things, but he was living a life of impurity, and that kept him from standing for Jesus. It kept him from standing for what God was doing. 
Now, I want you to think about it. Each of those people saw Jesus on the cross. They all heard about it. They all experienced the crucifixion. And they all realized, at one point or another, we made a big mistake. Now, I'm here to tell you today that when you walk out of here, there'll be a time in your life when you're either going to say, I took truth that was given to me and I stood, or I made a big mistake. And my hope is that we don't make mistakes this morning. So many people choose not to stand for Jesus because of outside pressure. The biggest thing that keeps people from knowing who Jesus is is their own pride. They're they're too prideful. They don't want to change who they are because Jesus will change you. He'll come in your house. He'll rearrange all your furniture to match his plan for your life. And if you allow him to move the couch to the other wall, even if it doesn't match the drapes, it works because he knows the plan further out than you do. You may think you know how to design your life. You may be the best interior designer of your own life, you think, but he's the one that created all the stuff you're designing with, and he knows where you're supposed to be. So let him come in and rearrange all the furniture, and even if you gotta take a little while to get used to it, stub your toe a couple times because the couch has been moved in the middle of the night, it's okay, because he knows the plan. So then we talked about the people who didn't stand, and then we took a few minutes and talked about the people that stood. The people that were at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. We talked about Mary Magdalene. She's all through the scripture there at the end. She's always there. She was there at the tomb. She was, she was there at the cross. She was always there. And the reason why she was there was because she was filled with demonic presence She was living in turmoil and and just could not get her life together. And then she met this man named Jesus. And in meeting Jesus, not from the back of the room, not from the back of the room, no, 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 she went up to Jesus, she got to meet Jesus, and when she got in contact with Jesus, everything changed. She was delivered from the demons, she found hope in life again, and you know what? The scriptures tell us that she actually funded his ministry, and she was there through the deal. And she was there at the most important time, and that was at the cross. We then said about Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she, think about how much grief Mary went through. She has this baby. She's ridiculed in the world because she's not married. She has this baby. And her son is the, her son is the cause of thousands of babies dying. She's lived this whole life knowing that one day, one day, he was going to be crucified. And she was there. She stood with him. She stood with him. And the last one is John. And John would always toot his own horn in the scripture, but we know that John was there out of loyalty and a cause that he was called to go do. So when you look at the cross, what do you see? When you look at the cross, how do you view the cross? Are you viewing the cross standing at the bottom, looking up at Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins? That's a good way to look at the cross. But there is another way that you can look at the cross, and I want to look at the cross through the doorway of the empty tomb. Because if we didn't have the tomb, the cross was null and void. If we didn't have the, if we didn't have the resurrection, the cross was totally a dud. And the whole world points to the cross, right? All Christians around the world point to the cross. We wear it, we do all that. But we would not have the effectiveness of the cross if it wasn't for the resurrection. So this morning, I want to look at the resurrection. I want to look at the confirmation of the cross that is in the resurrection. And today I want to give you some thinking points 
that will hopefully make you see a different aspect of life. You have to have the cross and the resurrection for the story to be complete. You have to understand the cross and the resurrection to be able to follow the king. You can't just follow him knowing the cross. You can't follow him just knowing what he did there. That doesn't get you where you need to be. You have to have both. Now, here's some interesting thoughts, and, and I, I probably ask way too many questions, but the Lord always answers, so that's a good thing. I was thinking the other day, how did the cross not stop the Jesus movement? The, the cross, the crucifixion, was actually built to stop movements. They would take leaders and hang them on a cross so that their people would scatter. But in this case, it didn't happen. When Jesus was hung upon the tree and he went into the ground, the movement exploded. How do you calculate that? The whole purpose of the cross was to stop movements and this movement exploded. Well, common sense would say that you kill the leader, you kill the movement. You kill the leader, you kill the movement. You can see it all through history. The leader gets, the leader gets annihilated, the movement peters out. But we're over 2,000 years later, and I don't know if you can tell it, but I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited that Jesus died for me. Yeah. And when they killed the leader, when they killed our leader, and if you don't know who Jesus is and you don't have a relationship, he, they killed the leader of the world. Instead of the movement dying, it picked up speed. Instead of the movement dying, it picked up power. It picked up an energy. And it was an energy that was even greater than when he was on the earth. For the three years that he ministered on the earth, after he died, the energy exploded. There was more power, more things happening than ever before. Satan tried to kill him with a movement stopping tool. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You can try with that tool, but there's more. So how do you account for this movement not being killed at the crucifixion? There's only one explanation. He actually rose again. That's the only explanation. Think about it. Throughout the walk of Jesus and the disciples, throughout all of it, when the, when the tough got tough, they ran. When, when they're in the garden and the soldiers come, the disciples disappear. When the cross is there, well, we know that Peter denied him, right? But when the cross was happening, John was the only one there. So what took place that took these guys who ran away from the one who had transformed their life? He had been everything to them for three years, and then they disappear. What would it take for them to actually be on fire and catch fire in this movement? Well, it doesn't look like what they thought it would look like, but he rose from the dead, and that's why they had energy. You see, so much of the church has been living on the crucifixion side of this story. We've been living on the crucifixion side of the story and taking, giving our burdens to Jesus, giving everything to him, which I love and I'm all in on that. 
And it's about salvation, I get it, but it's about him raising from the dead that gives you the power to be able to change the world. That lasts over 2,000 years. So I asked another question. Why were they suddenly not just on fire, but they were suddenly ready to die? being hung upside down, being stoned. They were suddenly ready to give everything. And through the process of walking with Jesus and meeting him, they never were ready to die for him. We never read in the scripture that they were ready to put it all on the line for him. In fact, we know from their actions that they weren't. Because if they were, they would have done something different before the cross. So what is it? Why were they so ready to die? They weren't ready to die for him when he was alive. The only possible answer to the reason why they not only had power, but they had an energy and they were ready to go be crucified upside down, be stoned, be hung on sticks and burnt. All the stuff that happened, the only way that that could have happened was the story's true. Now, there are people all around the world that today are saying there's no way that Jesus raised from the dead. There's no way. Well, I can go through scripture and I can tell you what Jesus said about what was going to happen. But better than that, I want to look at the actions of the people that were with him that completely changed after he rose from the dead. You see, we often live our lives in the shadow of the cross, but we never get to the light of the resurrection. And you can't have the power of the cross without the resurrection. His disciples knew him. They were bold. They were, they were strong. They were, saying, they were speaking out to all the people that threatened to kill him. They were saying, listen, this is what we're doing. We know we're on fire. We know we're on the call. Why? Because they experienced the resurrection. If, if the church is going to see the revival, if the country is going to see the revival, if the world is going to see the revival, the only way that we see the revival is to embrace the resurrection. We can preach the cross every single day, but if we don't lead people to understanding the resurrection, then we've missed it. He's alive right now. He's alive right now. He's in this room right now. It's amazing. I mean, just pause for a second. Some of you may be distracted thinking about many other things. I want you to pause for a second. The Savior of the world who died for your sins and rose again so that you could have everlasting life is here with you, ministering to you, talking to you. He's actually convicting you about something that you're thinking about right now. He's doing it because he wants you to experience his love. He wants you to experience his love. Here's another thought. Everybody saw the crucifixion. Think how many people. It even says that the people walking by shouted things at him. They weren't even involved in the thing, but they walked by and they had ridicule for him and they shouted to him. The, 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 the people casting lots over his clothes, the, the, all of this stuff was going on. Everyone knew about the crucifixion. Why did no one see the resurrection? There are so many things written about the crucifixion, but there weren't any witnesses of the resurrection. You see, all we know from Scripture and all we know from all these books is that there were signs that there was a resurrection. Okay, now I'm getting deep. You guys are getting quiet on me. That means that we can see an empty tomb 
That is a sign of a resurrection, but we didn't see the actual deal. They saw the angel roll back the stone. He was there. He addressed them. That's a sign of the resurrection. But no one actually saw the resurrection for themselves. And so that would lead many people around the world to say, oh, it's just fake. Somebody stole the body, right? They were even saying that in those times. But it doesn't account for the power, the energy, and the excitement of the disciples that were willing to go to the grave because they met him. It says that he saw over 500 people after he was raised from the dead. He walked around seeing people, walking through walls, doing all the good stuff. The crucifixion was very public. They've made movies about it. You've watched the, the horror of the crucifixion. And all we see is the evidence of the resurrection. I have a thought about that. When you look at the Bible, you will see that one-third of Matthew and one-third of Mark are given to the crucifixion of Christ. One-quarter of Luke and half of John all about the crucifixion of Christ. Now, I, I want you to go with me to Matthew, or sorry, to uh, Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter 16. So there's, it's, it's a third of Mark is about the crucifixion. And just this little part of chapter 16 is about the resurrection. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Yeah, I think that would be true. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. He always delivers on his word. You know, when the trials of life come and you're walking through life not knowing where true north is, you can always go back to his word. Amen. It says that he delivered on his word. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They went out quickly, they fled from the tomb, they trembled and were amazed. When was the last time you were amazed at Jesus? When was the last time that you were completely enthralled and amazed with him? Maybe that was in a worship service. Maybe that was on your lawnmower. It doesn't matter. What matters is there is a time and a place where you actually get so enthralled with this man named Jesus. You get so, and just, oh, just so good. I can't even figure out a word right now. I just feel him in the room. It, it's just this experience that you can't get enough of. Now, if you haven't had that, then now's the time to lean in. So there were only three people that actually saw the resurrection. There were only three people. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the only ones. All the rest of them have seen evidence of that. But those were the only three. You know why? Because it was a private event. It wasn't a public event. 
they were the only three that had the invitation to go to the actual deal. Why? Why? I believe this. I believe that the father was so awesomely thrilled with his son that he wanted to share that moment with him. He wanted to share that moment and say, well done, son. You've done everything I've sent you to the earth to do, and I am so excited to be your dad. And there are some moments in life that are just private. Some moments in life that are just between a couple people because they're so significant to life. You see, I know that we, we're 2,000 years removed. We're, if we look at the time frame and don't think about the spiritual deal, it's very easy to forget the power of all this. But the personal encounter that Jesus had on the cross completely should wreck you. You see, the cross was so personal to Jesus that while he was on the cross, he was addressing his mother, saying, you are now the mother of John. John, you now take care of my mother because he saw her grief. He was, it was so personal to him. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That means he was seeing you when he was on the cross. He was seeing your life. He was seeing your destiny. He was seeing everything about you. He was seeing the things that would come against you, the, the cancer, the, the sickness, the disease, the divorce. He saw all of it, and he said, I'm taking all of it upon myself. Can you imagine how personal that would be? If you just right now took every burden of every person in the room and you said, I want to sit down and talk with you, and I'm going to take your burden off of you, and I'm going to wear it, None of us could last with just the burdens in the room. And he lasted. He actually conquered with the burdens of the whole world, past, present, and future. He took it all. It says, it says that he bore that burden with joy. And what I'm trying to understand as a pastor is how can we not have joy in our house? How can we not have joy as we drive down the road? How can we not have joy in worship for all, for all purposes? Why can't we have joy in our lives that just overflows? I think it's because we don't understand how personal the cross was. We don't understand it. We have to understand it. I want you to ask this question. I want you to ask this question of the Lord, and you can write it down in your notes, because this is a question you're going to ask the rest of your life. Father, I want you to make the cross personal for me. I want you to make this cross thing that Jesus took so personally, I want to take it personally. I want to know. I want to know exactly what he felt about me when he was on the cross. I want to know exactly what he felt about my family and about my life and about the things that have to do with my city and my region and my country. I want to know what he felt. Make it personal. Because if we miss the personal aspect of the cross, we miss the personal aspect of the resurrection. Because it was a private event. You weren't invited. Since the resurrection is personal, 
At the resurrection, the Father makes this statement. Romans 1.4 says this, Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We know that Jesus was the Son of God because of the resurrection. It is so clear that God says, because of the resurrection, He is my Son. So Romans 1.4 says that the resurrection, in this resurrection, Jesus was declared to be what He always said He was when He was on the earth. Because He came back to life. Now we've sung songs today about the cross. We've sung songs about the resurrection. We've sung songs about resurrecting us. We've sung songs about all of that. But singing a song is completely different than being in the front of the room and meeting him. We have to meet him. Now I think it's interesting that this word declared means to mark out. So, let me read it differently. So, Romans 1, 4 says this, to mark out to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. I believe that in the resurrection, the Father was saying, listen, the whole world is gonna look on this movement even though they're not in the room right now because it's just us three. We're doing this deal privately. But I'm going to put a highlight mark across the name of Jesus for eternity because he's about to be resurrected. And no one can take away that mark. No one can take away that mark. See, he, he in that moment, I just, I, I imagine in that moment, he's like a father is, you know, when your child has done everything right. And that, that one thing that you asked them to do, they accomplished perfectly. And you're just like, oh my. And then you take that and you multiply that by billions and billions and billions of wins. Not just one, but billions and billions and billions of wins. And the Father knows all your mess and all my mess and all the mess of everybody in the world. And he saw that mess and it was poured out. The wrath was poured out on Jesus. And then he stands in front of him and says, oh man, I'm so proud of you, son. This is some good stuff. So the resurrection is a statement. It's God's announcing that it is finished forever because he's the only king that was resurrected. He's the only king sitting in heaven. He's the only answer to that problem. And I love the fact, I want you to read this with me. Go to Matthew 28, verse one and two. You know this, but man, it just gives me joy. It gives me so much joy this morning to think that God just wanted to make it so real to us. Matthew 28, highlight this verse. Verses one and two. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the mother and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone at the door and sat upon it. I want to tell you that the father was so excited about the resurrection that he marked it on a Geiger counter. He said, I am, I am showing the whole world. The whole world will always be able to go back in history and see on this day there was an earthquake that shook the whole world. The father endorsed the son with an earthquake. Richter scale, that's what it was, sorry. 
the Richter scale was rattling because the father was so excited about what his son had done. And I find it hard to believe that there are billions and billions of Christians, millions of Christians all around the world, and we so seek revival. We so seek our region to come to know him. We so seek for our family to know him. We so seek for all of those things, and they're all good, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, we need to ask God for an earthquake in our own life. We need to ask God for an earthquake to shake off the nastiness that would be recognized by the people around us because the shaking is what shows the evidence that God is moving. As I said on Friday night, I find it very interesting that Jesus was a carpenter. He did that whole deal. Then he went into ministry and then he crafted our salvation on the tree. He literally crafted everything on the tree. So the father is doing the resurrection deal, right, with the three of them, and he says, this is my son. This is my son. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's given restoration to what man had lost, and it is finished. Here's another thought. The resurrection is the only thing that could make the cross receivable for you. Think about it. All the anguish, all the pain, everything that happened on the cross, you can watch the movies about it. All of that stuff would have been for naught if it wasn't for the resurrection. There, the, the crucifixion, as gory as it was, if Jesus did not raise from the grave, he would be another person in the history book that was bruised and beaten and hung on a tree. That's it. Everything that Jesus labored for, everything that he accomplished, everything would be for naught. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says it this way, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Paul was saying it this way, that the cross is not enough. The cross is not enough. We can put a lot of energy into the cross. And I believe that, that people come to know Jesus because they see him on the cross, because they see themselves on the cross, because they see their sins were what nailed his hands and his feet. They see that and they get emotionally engaged in what God did for them and they give their life to him. But none of that is available if he isn't right now sitting at the right hand of the Father. It is the key that unlocks the power of the cross. Paul is saying this, if I can put it in other words. You're still in your sins if Jesus never rose again. You've labored, he labored on the cross in agony. He endured six hours of it, taking his stripes for the payment of our healing, absorbed the crown of thorns, became a curse, took nails in his hands and his feet, shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. He bore the chastisement of your peace, of your graves, of your sorrow, of your iniquity. And if he had died and descended into hell and gone through all of that but not resurrected, it would not be yours this morning. Thank goodness for Sunday morning. Thank goodness for Easter morning. And we celebrate his resurrection every day. Because it gives us validity and power of what happened at the cross now comes through to you. 
You see, all the power that happened at the cross is accessible, but only through the resurrection. That's why we celebrate the resurrection every day. Without the resurrection, we have no healing. I know this is strong, but you can go to the cross for healing, but without a risen Savior, it doesn't matter much. We have no salvation without the resurrection. We have no forgiveness of sin without the resurrection. Everything that he labored for only becomes real to you in the resurrection. I see it as a light switch. That there's power coursing through the crucifixion. The power that courses through the crucifixion is all that he paid, all that he endured, all the things that happened. It was all there. It's all accessible. Except when the resurrection happened, the switch was flipped, and now we have access to go to the cross and actually take ownership of what he paid for. You see, there's millions and millions of people that have hung out at the cross, but, but they really haven't understood the, the importance of the resurrection, and so they continue to go to the cross in pain, in torment. And they can't take what is there because they haven't understood the resurrection. He labored for it. And when he rose from the dead, the, flitch, the switch was flipped. And now we all have access to everything that he paid for. I think about this. You've been working through issues in your life. Believe me, as I look around the room, I know there are hard things going on. And I know, if, if I see it in the room, I know whenever I look through the camera that there are hard things going on. That you're walking your own path of crucifixion in your life. You're receiving the pain and torment of life upon you. And if you stop in the middle of your crucifixion, that hard road, you will have no voice for the world. Until you walk through your trial and get to resurrection, your voice is mute to the world. If Jesus would have walked the whole cross, done it all, went buried, done all that, and never rose again, we would not be talking about him today. And the whole world needs to be talking about what you've been through and how you've been delivered and how you've been set free and how you've been risen. But the only way they can hear it is if you actually walk through the crucifixion and get to your resurrection day. There are so many people around the world that try to go out and do ministry out of their brokenness. That's a dangerous deal. That's a dangerous deal. If you begin to go speak because, because you think that you have a word but you're not healed yet, you're just gonna be hurting other people because hurt people hurt people. And so, so we have a lot of people out there that are ministering out of their brokenness which is the most horrible thing you can do to someone else because you're taking your brokenness and you're putting it upon them. And they don't need to carry your cross. They need to work through their own, get to their deliverance, get to their crucifixion, and then out to their resurrection, and then their voice will be heard around the world. 
You see, people see, it's the exact opposite of the before the cross. See, before the cross, people had pride, so they didn't actually believe in Jesus, and so they wouldn't actually go forward. Now it's that we have pride that we have a story when we really don't. We're still in the crucifixion phase. And until we actually get delivered, set free, and come to our resurrection, that voice should be silent in your closet. I remember uh, 19 years ago and four months, I believe, 19 years ago and four months ago, we had the most, what I would say, horrible thing happen to our family. We lost a three-year-old daughter. And there's nothing that can, can be compared to a, to a crucifixion moment than putting your child in the ground. And I remember going through this, this whole deal with counseling and we got the help, we, get, we, we did it the right way. I'm just telling you because a very large percentages of marriages don't last when you lose a child. We did it the right way and there's evidence of that. But, but here's what I'm here to tell you. The, the thing inside of me wanted to share that story before it was time. And I remember, shared it a couple places and I know that the people that were sitting there received the pain. But they didn't receive the power of the resurrection. And there's some of you in here today that you've been standing for Jesus, and I give you all the credit for standing for him in tough places. But if you're standing for him in a tough place, and you're still wounded and broken, then all you're doing is hurting other people. And so I'm here to tell you today that what you need to do is you need to go with Jesus. You need to allow him in the private place, just like the three people that were at the resurrection. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will come into your room as you go to the front. They'll sit down with you. They'll help you heal those places. They'll restore who, they, who God created you to be. And then your voice will change generations. That's what needs to happen. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are partners with him because of the resurrection. Not because of the cross, but because of the resurrection. This trial that Jesus endured and then the resurrection part of it that was private, the public and private, has to be played out in your life. There are so many believers I know, because I've had conversations with people, I know there's so many believers that are still in their life hanging on the cross of circumstances in their life. And that is not where God wants you to be. God wants you to be healed, delivered, and set free. Now how do we get that? We have to go back to the cross. We have to go back to the thing that actually bought our freedom. But we have to go back with the joy knowing that there's a resurrection. Some people need to have hope today because there's a resurrection coming to your life, to your circumstance. I often think when I see people not filled with joy, I often think they must have no hope of resurrection. They must only have hope of their trial. They must only have hope of their addiction or their cancer or whatever. They must not have hope of anything else. Because if they had hope of a resurrection to their trial, they would be filled with joy. We see that example in Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. 
Do you need some endurance this morning? Do you need some joy this morning? Because the world doesn't want to see your frowny face. The world doesn't want to see your over-exhausted body walking around all the time. The world needs to see your resurrection so that they can meet the Savior that paid for it. I believe every person in the room this morning, whether you're a visitor or whether you're a summit family, whether you're a leader, every one of you has a voice. Every one of you has a story that would change a generation if you would only endure to the resurrection. I remember the first time that I was asked to share, we were asked to share, about the loss of our daughter in a group of people. And it was the first time that we shared after seeing resurrection. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit moved in that group of people more powerful than I had ever seen him move because there was hope. If you take nothing out of this today about the resurrection of Jesus, I want you to take this out with you about your resurrection. Because he paid so that you don't have to endure your cross and he rose so that you could walk out of your grave. If you're in a grave, if you're in the crucifixion process, don't get comfortable. You should just be passing through. Now, I know Jesus did it in three days. What a stellar thing to aim for. (laughs) But sometimes it takes longer, and sometimes we got to get out of our own way to actually receive what he wants for us. But the only way that we can receive the resurrection that we are due is to be in the private place with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and receive the healing that he has for us. You know how I know your story will empower a generation? Because we're going to go over the next few months about people after the cross who stood with Jesus, who stood on what he did for them, and they changed the world. Now, you may be sitting here today, and you may be saying, listen, the, the worship was good. That's, that's great. Um, you know, the word's been okay. You're sort of an okay communicator. That's all fine with me. I'm not worried about it. But here's what I know, that if you actually listen to what the Lord wants to do in you, you will get to resurrection faster. You will not labor for eternity in your crucifixion. And you will walk in wholeness to change people that you stand beside every single day. I want you to take a moment as we, as we close here, and I want you to think about a few things. Jesus walked the earth. He walked the earth after the resurrection and people saw him in his glorified body. And he told Mary, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to the Father. But he walked through walls. He did the things. And the people that had walked beside him forever, for three years they walked beside him. I'm sure they ate the same food. They drank out of the same cup. They did all that stuff. They did it all together. And then when they saw him resurrected, he was a different person. Is the world around you going to see a different person tomorrow? They've worked with you all the time. They've seen you cuss. 
They've seen you get angry. They've seen you live your life and complain about your pastor. They've heard it all. But our t- tomorrow, when you go in, will they meet the resurrected you? Will they see a different Jesus tomorrow? Will they hear a different Jesus tomorrow? Will they encounter a different powerful Jesus tomorrow? One that you're willing to go to the grave for. You see, I believe that the stakes are super high. I believe that the stakes of your resurrection are higher today than at any other time in history. I believe that the stakes of you getting healed, delivered, set free are bigger than anything because there's a generation that is looking for your story. And it will only come when you surrender to him in the quiet place. There's one story from last week. We talked a little bit last night about Mary, but I want to talk about Hannah for a moment. Hannah was in turmoil. She was living out her crucifixion of barrenness for years. She was enduring this pain of not being able to bear children for a long time. And then one day, one day, she was resurrected. Now, I think it's interesting that we don't really pay too much attention to the resurrection. Yeah, she's a mother of Samuel, but we pay attention to her crucifixion. Don't we? When you hear Hannah, you think barren. That's like the word that comes to your mind, right? And there's more of those people in Scripture. But we often are drawn to the crucifixion of someone's life more than we are to their resurrection. As with Jesus, more of the gospel is written to his crucifixion than it is to the resurrection. Why? Because the power of your story is in your crucifixion, but the access for the people that you're speaking to to get to the power of your story of your crucifixion is through your resurrection. If you're presenting your story to the world without the resurrection, the power will be mute. Hannah's power is so strong. When you read that scripture, and I thank you for bringing that to us, Sabrina, but when you read that scripture about her, man, the power comes right through of her pain. You can actually sit and just weep through that whole story because she desired so much for a child. But you only have access to that story because of her resurrection. You have resurrection in your blood. You have it in you. That means that when you're in despair and you're frustrated and you think that this crucifixion, this crucible is never going to end, there's resurrection DNA in you. And that's why our hearts should be so broken for the world because all they have is their crucifixion. The pain of life, the struggle is real. And we have the hope of a resurrection. Would you stand with me? They're gonna come and play. The crucifixion is the power to your story. The resurrection is the access for the world to see your power. Many of you can think of people in Scripture. Maybe you think of David. Maybe you think of Joseph. And you understand the crucible that they went through. 
but now you understand that we love them and we have access to their pain that eliminates our pain because of the resurrection. So you may ask, why in the world would God allow us to go through all this? Why do we have to go through this process as believers or non-believers? Why do we have to do it all? Psalm 72, 18 says this, Blessed be the Lord God of, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. The reason why we go through crucifixion is because there's one day that we're going to see a resurrection, and in that resurrection, we're going to know that the wondrous works of God are the only way that we got out. So there is hope today. There's hope today. He only does wondrous things. So if you're not seeing wondrous things in his life, then you need to get to the front of the room. In your life today, if you haven't met, your heads with me. Thankful that you paid the price for our sin. We're so thankful that you bore all of it on the cross. But Lord, today we celebrate that you rose from the dead and we have access to the cross through the resurrected King. Now today, if, if you've never had a relationship, I'm not talking about saying a prayer when you were five. I'm talking about a real relationship. One that makes you desire to be in his presence. One that makes you desire to just be with him. Then today is your hope brought to you through his resurrection. There's no condemnation if you haven't ever had a relationship with him because we've all been in that spot. But he doesn't want us to stay in that spot. He wants us to be renewed. So whether you're online or in the room, if that's you, I just want you to create a heart posture right now. And I want you to say to the Lord, I've lived the crucifixion life too long. I value your resurrection and I want to see a resurrection of my own life. I know, Lord, that I've tried and I know I'm not the answer. So this morning, I relinquish control of my life and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to come in and lead me to my resurrection moment where all the pain and turmoil of my life will mean something to the world. I give you my life. Thank you for being a loving dad who will deal with me in private so that one day I can share to the world your story in public. Now I believe that if you had a heart posture like that this morning that you are born again, it says that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that the Lord Jesus died on the cross, was rose again, that you have new life with him. Now, I know we can't see it online, but if somebody in the room, just slip up your hand. Every head bow, every eye closed, just slip up your hand if that's you this morning. Thank 
you, Lord. I can tell you right now, heaven is going crazy. You thought that the Gonzaga game was crazy with the last second shot? They, the angels are going nuts right now, I'm just telling you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Hmm. So for those of you in the room that are, you, you have a relationship with him. I ask you this. Have you been living in turmoil of your own crucifixion, embracing your own cross, and not seeing a resurrection? I ask you today, would you commit your heart to live out a resurrection that will change the world because there's only one way for them to reach Jesus, and that's through our testimonies, through the Holy Spirit. Would you make that commitment today? That you would change your heart posture from living in the cross to living in the resurrection this morning? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, I pray for supernatural power. I pray for as angels who are sent to assist each person who has made a commitment today, whether that be a commitment to a relationship with you or whether that be a commitment to walk in freedom today. I thank you, Lord, that as they leave this place, as we commit ourselves to you through the act of communion, that as we leave this place, that there will be a power and an energy like the disciples when they saw the resurrected king. Their whole changed. Lord, I pray that for each person that has experienced this, Lord, that they would see a supernatural, powerful change because they met you. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would take the communion that was on your seat this morning, if you didn't get one, I know they'll be around, but if you would take it, dim the lights a little bit, please. Um, Jesus said to his disciples now looking around the room we know that everybody's a believer because hands went up and others didn't so that's good I assume that if you're not a believer I wouldn't take this scripture says what happens if you take it and you're not a believer I would fix that right now before we do this because there are consequences for taking it if you're not so Jesus took took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it which resembled the breaking of his body and it says in Ezekiel that he was broken so bad that he didn't even look human. I believe that he took every sickness, every disease, every mental illness, he took everything upon him on the cross and that's why he didn't even look human. How could you take, I mean, I know of a few diseases that have just radically tore people apart and they made them look completely different. And that's only one or two people, let alone billions and billions and billions of people paying sickness. And he said, this is my body which was broken for you. And when you do this, remember me that I've done this for you. And so there's lots of people around the world that have never heard of Jesus. They've never heard of his saving power. And they've never partaken of his body. And so they live with everything that he already took for them. And my prayer is that today, if you're holding anything that he paid for, that when you take this, you just hand it to him. That you don't live in that anymore. 
and that you receive the power of his cross through his resurrection. Let's take and eat this together. Thank you, Lord. And then he held the cup and he said, this is my blood which was shed for you for the remission of your sin. That means that your sin is completely blotted out. And he said, remember me. Remember that I've paid it all for you. And every time you do this, be reminded that I loved you enough to endure the cross so that you may be free. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless the bread, the cup. We thank you, Lord, for what you paid for us, that we may be heirs in your kingdom, that we may be ambassadors of your kingdom to the world. Lord, in every moment that we step out of your plan for our lives, when we come back to the blood and the cup and the bread, Lord, we take this cup as a reminder of alignment with you. Take and drink. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King to the full resurrection that you need in your life by yourself. It has to be in the presence of God. And it has to be with your whole life laid before him. Father, today we thank you that you gave us your son. We thank you for the obedience of Jesus that we could stand in resurrection power. The word tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. We thank you, Lord, that we can walk this earth with a new testimony of the resurrection power of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.